0: This is a Capricorn FM podcast. This grade 12 lesson is proudly brought to you by the Department of Education. In partnership with Capricorn FM, working together, we can do more, providing quality education.
1: Uh, good afternoon, my lovely students. Mr. Majia again. We are meeting. I'm um, attached from Texila Secondary School. So today we are going to discuss paper two, which is uh, genetics. And remember, it is... Almost forty-five marks. So, please make it upon that you, you you listen attentively. Where possible, you may also record. Uh, I'm going to focus my attention on pedigree, mutation, hybrid crossing, and also genetic engineering. I'll see how far I'm, I'm going to go, and then. But let me start with mutation. Then mutation is derived from the Latin word, uh, which is called mutabilis, or or Mutare, meaning change. So in other words, when you deal with mutation, just know that we're going to deal with change. Just that. Now, uh, I'm happy because during trial examination, this type of question was set, but I'm going to guide you on how to approach this uh, mutation. So, But now, the first thing that I want to take into cognizance or want, what I want to bring forth is that from the definition of mutation, because when we define mutation, from the definition, we're going to find two types of mutation. So now, how do we define mutation now? Because I already, I've already said, uh, it deals with change. So when we define it, we say, it is a sudden change in a structure of a gene or a chromosome. It is a sudden change in a structure of a gene or a chromosome. Now, like I've already indicated to say, from the whole statement or the whole definition, we're also going to find types of mutation because I've already said it's a sudden change in the structure of a gene or a chromosome. Now, if uh, that change is happening in the structure of a gene, then we call that type of mutation a gene mutation. But if it is happening in the chromosome, we end up calling it chromosomal mutation. Uh, Now, On that note let us move to the next point which is the types of mutation like i've already indicated gene mutation and chromosomal mutation and then this chromosomal mutation sometimes is regarded as chromosomal aberration chromosomal aberration so let me give you brief explanation on the or on these two types of uh, mutation meaning the gene mutation and chromosomal mutation but i'm going to start with gene mutation Gene mutation is further divided into two. Uh, That is the point mutation and frame shift mutation. So normally, many learners confuse the two. If examiner says name two types of mutation, they end up saying point mutation and frame shift mutation, which is not correct. I'm saying the two types of mutation, you quite it from the definition. As I said, it is the sudden change in the structure of a gene or a chromosome, for that matter. Now, when we talk about two types of mutation, like I indicated, we take it from the definition. We are going to say we've got gene mutation and chromosomal mutation. But examiner, if you end up saying, give two types of gene mutation now, is then that we are going to talk about point mutation and frame shift mutation. And when we check point and frame, frame is like a bigger structure, but point is like just a small portion. Now, I'm sure you still remember in the past when we were busy with the DNA, we said the DNA is made up of nucleotides, and the nucleotides are made up of phosphate, sugar. In this case, we are going to talk about deoxyribose sugar because it's the DNA and also nitrogen base. That NB stands for nitrogen bases, where we had A for adenine and then T for thiamine, C for cytosine and G for guanine. So those are the nitrogen bases that we're talking about now. So now, if the change, if maybe we are trying to define point and also frame, when there's a change in a single base pair, when there's a change in a single base pair, single meaning one, in a DNA molecule, at just one point, that type of uh, gene mutation is called point mutation. That is called point mutation. But if we end up having a, or let me explain something based on frameshift mutation. Uh, it is when there is a change in more than one base pair. In more than one base pair. So this uh, all about mutation. But I don't want to declaim life sciences because you need to know the relationship between mutation and all these disorders that are having. Like we've got the Down syndrome. There are learners that are suffering from Down syndrome, like New horizon and so on and so on. We need to check what causes this. It is caused by the mutation, but I'm going to explain further to check what what causes that. Now, uh, there are different disorder because remember, in a cell of a human being, for argument's sake, last time when we be with meiosis, I told you that we have got 46 chromosomes that are arranged in pairs. In other ways we are going to have 23 pairs, but immediately one Uh, or let me say out of 46 chromosomes realize that one has been deleted one chromosome has been deleted or there's a change there then that is disorder the opposite we just add prefix this and then because it is no longer an order meaning that it's a disorder we've got different types of disorders like down syndrome uh, albinism when you see an albino it is because of mutation also We are going to explain what causes this. Albinism, Hutchinson, Gilford Progeria Syndrome. Last time we had a lady by the name of Untla Messi, she was 18, she was suffering from Hutchinson, Gilford Progeria Syndrome, although they were just saying progeria. When a person is one year old, it's like seven years old. When the person is two years old, it's like 14 years old. It's a disorder that is caused by mutation. That's why I said, I don't want you to claim this. You need to know the relationship between mutation and also other disorders but for grade 12 for your syllabus like i indicated is albinism and then color blindness and also hemophilia what causes uh, albinism now it is caused by the absence of protein that forms the pigment melanin it is caused by the absence of protein that forms the pigment melanin remember melanin what talking about the skin color and then color blindness uh, it's caused by the absence of a protein that make up uh, maybe a red or, or even green uh, cones. Remember, when we talk about cones, we are talking about the photoreceptors. I'm sure you still remember last time when we busy with the eye. We said the eye has got two main photoreceptors. Photo meaning light receptor meaning to receive. The, these are the light receivers, uh, namely rods and cones. So no color blindness is caused by the absence of protein that make up those the cones now hemophilia is caused by the absence of protein which is needed for the formation of blood clot due to a mutant gene, so in other words when somebody, when blood oozes from your, it may be a, been prickled by something or you have a, a wound of some sort then when blood oozes out it becomes very difficult for that blood to, to clot and then now let me explain something based on and the, the, the albinism, colorblindness, and also hemophilia that I've, been, that I've been talking about, they fall under gene mutation. Remember I talked about gene mutation and also chromosome mutation. So these disorders that I've been talking about, they fall under gene mutation or they're caused by gene mutation. Now, like I said, we also have chromosomal mutation. Now, the challenge is what is it that we're going to talk about here with regard to chromosomal mutation? which is also regarded as the chromosomal aberration. This one is uh, the example thereof. We can talk about the Down syndrome. I'm going to give you the background of Down syndrome. Remember, in a cell, like I indicated, we've got uh, 46 chromosomes. I'm talking about a cell of a human being because we've got different number of chromosomes uh, based on different uh, organisms. But with regard to the uh, cells that are found in a human being, Or the chromosomes that are found in a human cell, who are having forty-six. Then now, in the past, I also explained when I was busy with reproduction to say, sperm cell must end up having twenty-three chromosomes. The egg cell must also have twenty-three chromosomes. Why? Because when they fuse, they must have. We must have the zygote, which is having forty-six chromosomes. And it is different from the body cell or the somatic cell because the somatic cell has got 46 chromosomes, which is diploid. And then the sperm cell and the egg cell because they're gametes and they're supposed to fertilize each other. That's why we end up having a haploid that is one n in both instances. And it's caused by meiosis. And then now let me say during anaphase, I'm sure by now you know that during anaphase say other chromosomes or chromatids, they move from the, the 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 equator and then they move to different poles. Now, what is going to happen is this. Let me say we've got 23 chromosomes from sperm cell and also 23 chromosomes from the X cell. <coughs> and then per 21, during anaphase, uh, those chromosomes fail to separate and then immediately they fail to separate now. It's a challenge. Obviously, we are going to, that, that non-separation is called non disjunction because they fail to separate, and ultimately we are going to end up having 23 chromosomes plus 1, meaning we are going to have 24 chromosomes instead of 23. Then we call that gamete a, an abnormal gamete. Now, if that abnormal gamete fuses with a normal gamete, remember that normal gamete obviously is going to have 23 chromosomes. We end up having a zygote with 47 chromosomes, and then which is abnormal. And then, if maybe it affected pair twenty one, or in simpler terms, maybe pair twenty one is the one that that fails to separate, then now we are going to have two plus one, which is going to be three. Then we now talk of trisomy twenty one, trisomy three, so me from the weight chromosome. So now that's why Down syndrome is also regarded as trisomy twenty one. So. But remember, this Down syndrome trisomy 21 is one of the disorders that is caused by mutation, and which type of mutation? The chromosomal mutation. Why chromosomal mutation? Because with regard to chromosomal mutation, normally uh, it's when there's a change in the structure of, of a chromosome, or you realize that there's a change in the number of chromosomes inside the cell. So, like now, it maybe the change has been from 46 to 47 due to because of non-disjunction. Obviously we end up having that type of disorder. We have got different disorders, like Bukleinafelta syndrome, Kreiduchet syndrome, like I already indicated the other one, Archison Sengilfold Progera syndrome, and so on and so on. So those disorders are caused by uh, mutation. And then, now we're going to dwell much on the effects of mutation. This one, many many learners uh, do not perform with regard to this one. I told my students several times to say, if maybe I would put myself in your booth, when they say effects of mutation, it's like you can be tempted to write a very long sentence, whereas it's very simple and straightforward. When they say effects of mutation, the only thing that was supposed to, to do, I was telling them to say, when you drive a car, it's either it's going to move forward or backward or maybe it's neutral and nothing else, unless it maybe it is involved in an accident. But now, why am I saying this? I was telling them that, we have got what we call harmful mutation. This harmful mutation is also regarded as the lethal mutation. I'm sure in the past you used to watch movies where immediately they say it's a lethal movie. Then obviously you know that it's deadly. Now, uh, harmful, like I have already indicated, that is also regarded as lethal mutation. That is the first one. The second one is harmless. Harmless is just the opposite of harmful meaning that the second one is harmful mutation the third one is useful mutation useful mutation in fact we're supposed to talk about neutral but now as i was busy checking the exam guideline and also different study guides uh, they are emphasizing useful mutation in other words we're going to we've got harmful mutation harmless mutation and then useful mutation in some book books uh, with regard to the useful mutation they sometimes call it the a, a advantageous mutation or the beneficial mutation. But let us use this terminologies that we are familiar with uh, that are normally used by the examiners. But now the most important thing is to also to outline what is lethal, what is harmful, what is useful mutation. Let me start with harmful mutation. With regard to this one, uh, what happens is that an organism or it it's deadly or it result is uh, it it results in death, and then on that note again, when you check the organism, you realize that the fact that that organism was affected by this and it died obviously if the organism have died, it cannot pass the uh, that that mutant gene to the next generation so but the most important thing you simply say it results in death then you you get a mark number two. The one that I said is harmless mutation. You simply say it has no effect, then you get a mark for that. But now you are going to explain further to say it has got no effect on the structure of a, the structure or the functioning of the organism which possesses them. And then the last one, which I said is useful mutation. You simply say it it gives an advantage to an organism that possesses them, and the organism will survive uh, such that uh, that mutation. Is no longer going to be, um, in, in, in simpler terms, maybe just to explain everything, in to shorten almost everything. We said it gives an advantage to an organism that possesses them, and the organism will end up surviving. So that's why we talk about useful mutation. But uh, during trial examination, the type of this question was set. I'm just going to paraphrase it because I forgot to bring the, 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 the question paper and also the memo. They said, explain the effects of different types of mutations, something of that nature. So many learners started to explain uh, gene mutation, chromosome mutation. When they talk about the effects, just know that when we talk about effects, we're talking about harmful, harmless, and also useful, and nothing else. So you are not supposed to lose marks unnecessarily so. So now, on the other hand, uh, it can also be used to... To trace lineages. Although this part, it falls under two topics. Uh, not long because we'll be discussing human evolution. I'm left with two lessons. The other one, it will be evolution based on natural selection, And then the other one, it will be human evolution. I'll explain it further when we'll be busy with the human evolution. But just to outline something, it is under the out of Africa hypothesis where we talk about the fossil evidence, the genetic evidence, and also the, the the cultural evidence, but specifically the genetic evidence. We talk about this, the useful, I mean, the, the, the part of mutation that is used to trace lineages, but under DNA also, because we've got three types of DNA. We've got chloroplastic DNA, mitochondrial DNA, and also uh and nuclear DNA so when we will be, were busy with uh, mitochondrial DNA in fact we're supposed to also explain this part but let me shorten it like this this type of question uh, you need to know the following number one I'm sure you still remember when we were busy with reproduction, uh, we said the stem cell stream and then we've got the mitochondria that provides energy and then from there, but when the sperm cell or the, the acrosome releases enzyme, that enzyme, those, those enzymes remember they are going to break the membrane of the, the, the egg, but the mitochondria of a sperm cell is not going to be that are not going to be transported into the, the the egg. The only part that is going to be transported into the egg is just the nucleus, which is going to fuse with the nucleus of the, the, the egg cell. So that's why When you talk about the mitochondria, when you trace, uh, or in similar terms, you normally say it follows the maternal line. It follows the maternal line. So let me explain to you how you were supposed to answer this one. You were supposed to say uh, the analysis of mutation. Just to say analysis of mutation, you get one mark. I'm talking about the EC type, the second sub-question based on the EC type, based on paper 2. Analysis of mutation immediately say analysis of mutation, you get one mark. On the mitochondrial DNA, you also get a mark for mitochondrial DNA. Provides a record of all the changes that have occurred over time from the mother to the daughter. Remember mother to daughter, we're talking about females. And from one generation to another in other words you may end up saying simply saying it follows the maternal line so just to say that you get three marks number one i said analysis of mutation you get a mark on the mitochondrial dna you also get a mark for mitochondrial dna provides a record of all the changes that evocate uh, from the mother to the daughter from one generation to to the next then you get another mark but Like I indicated, this long sentence, the last one, you may simply say it follows the maternal line. So as simple as that. Now, uh, the other thing that I want to bring forth is genetic counselling. Genetic counselling. Because sometimes when uh, the couples are having or are supposed to have kids, they need to be guided or they need to be given counselling. It may be to a certain extent we also suspect that one of the siblings or maybe the parents or the grandparents was suffering from a particular disorder. So it is very uh, important for us to make it happen that we also cancel the couples. In most instances, it's done by doctors. So now let us see what normally happens. Or sometimes when somebody is pregnant, during reproduction, we said, more especially the gestation period or the pregnancy period, the, I'm sure you still remember that we've got the amnion and the, inside the amnion we've got the amniotic fluid where the baby is going to be carried there. We discussed a lot of things based on the function of the amniotic fluid, but the most important thing that I want to bring forth right now is that sometimes they, they extract that fluid. The process called amniocentesis. Remember, we're talking about amniotic fluid. Then when they extract that... Uh, fluid to check us whether maybe the child might end up having a particular disorder like Down syndrome and whatever. They do the process called immunosynthesis. So immediately after finding out, the doctors also advise the couples with the risk of the genetic disorder to, to check us whether maybe they are the to 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 end up having that child or maybe uh, to do abortion of some sort and so on and so on. It comes from the the, the, the doctors to, in the form of uh, advising. So, But the most important thing here is that uh, you need to take cognizance of this to say a person is suffering from Down syndrome or whatever. They play a major role because there are many of them that are gifted. They are able to make wardrobes, they are able to do a lot of things. It's not a, a, a disorder that is very disturbing, it's due to mutation. Then the other one, is, Genetic engineering, which we are going to discuss it immediately after uh, the the short break, because not long we are going to for a short break, and then when we come back, we'll be dealing with genetic engineering, including stem cells, and then cloning, and also genetically modified food. Thank you for now.
0: The Limpopo Department of Education believes that education is the key to overcoming poverty. As a result, we have partnered with Capricorn FM to bring radio lessons to all grade 12 learners in Limpopo. Starting on Monday, 17 August, tune in and catch expert teachers as they present life lessons for an hour from Monday to Friday between 5 and 6 p.m. on Just Drive and again on Saturday and Sunday evenings between 6 and 7 p.m. on the Royal Movement and the Afterglow respectively. Limpopo Department of Education Working together, we can do more, providing quality education.
1: Uh, Welcome back, my learners. Uh, During the first session, I was still busy explaining something based on mutation. Now we're going to move on to genetic engineering. Like I indicated, genetic engineering, it has got a lot of examples, but now for your syllabus, we're only going to focus our attention on three uh, examples. The first one is stem cells. The second one is cloning. Then the th- third one is genetically, uh, genetic modification. So what are stem cells? Stem cells are cells that divide by mitosis to produce new cells. They are cells that divide by mitosis to produce new cells. I remember in the past, I'm sure it was grade 10, you know that an organ, if we're talking about the ear, the ear is an organ, and then it's made up of many tissues. Those many tissues are made up of many cells. In other words, we've got many cells that form many tissues. Many tissues form an organ. Many organs form a system. Many systems, they form an organism. In other words, you are an organism that is made up of many systems, like endocrine system, reproductive reproductive systems, and so on and so on. But now I want to focus uh, our attention on the cells, which are regarded as the same cells, meaning that the cells that can divide by mitosis to produce new cells. Now, sometimes examiners going to ask you a very simple question to say, name three sources of stem cell. just just that, name three sources of stem cells. So for you not forget this one, I think you should think about that picture where we talk about gestation or the stage of pregnancy where we have the placenta. Then from there, we have the umbilical cord. We also have the futus or the embryo. The placenta, the umbilical cord, and the embryo. And then, if we have that picture, now we are going to say sources of stem cell. You think of the blood from the umbilical cord, the one that I've already outlined. You also say blood from the placenta, or you may start with blood from the placenta. If maybe we want to move chronologically, say it f- blood from the placenta that's the first point. The second source of stem cell is blood from the Umbilical cord, remember the umbilical cord joins the embryo to the placenta, but the placenta joins the embryo to or the fetus to the mother because many learners make a mistake, but uh, I'll see next time when we'll be maybe doing revision of some sort. But now the most important thing is blood from the placenta, number two, blood from the umbilical cord, number three, you also check the embryo or embryonic cells. The embryonic stem cells. Now, these are just the sources of stem cells. Normally, examiners simply say name three sources of stem cell. It's very simple and straightforward. You think of those three. Now, sometimes they are going to ask you the uses of stem cell or not. This stem cell, where are they going to be used? So, maybe to give you a background here, uh, I'm sure you know that in the pancreas we have got the islet of around that consists of the beta cells and also the alpha cell and then beta cells we discuss this when we're busy with a uh, homeostasis to say beta cells secrete insulin and remember insulin decreases glucose level in blood if maybe person is not uh, producing insulin so it's going to be a problem because that particular person when immediately after eating whatever or, or breakfast or lunch or supper so normally the blood sugar level is going to rise, and then that beta cell, because it's is damaged for augment's sake and it's failing to secrete insulin, obviously it's no longer going to convert that glucose into glycogen. In other words, it's no longer going to be able to to reduce it. And as a result, one is going to suffer from sugar diabetes now. So now let me say that uh, the beta cell is damaged. So it is possible that uh, the topic says uses of stem cell. It is possible that they remove that damaged cell and they, they take the stem cells it's either from the embryo or from the blood, from the placenta or also from the umbilical cord. They are able to replace that beta cells and then uh, with the stem cells, and which also ultimately develops into the new beta cells. Then the very same new beta cells is going to be able to secrete insulin, uh, which is Going to be able to regulate glucose level in blood now. uh but but we have got arguments for stem cells and also argument against stem cells. Although, but the, maybe for that the other uses of uh, stem cells, they can also use to treat uh, different diseases like diabetes, as I have already indicated, sickle cell anemia, and also leukemia. So, but now we have arguments for stem cells and also arguments against themselves with argument for stem cells people are supporting stem cells they're saying or let me start with people who are against themselves they're saying it is immoral as the first point the second point is that they say we should not play god we should not play god because obviously because this thing is done by human beings who are trying to play god and according to those people who support or who are against a stem cell, they say no. We must not practice stem cell. But there are also people who are arguing, uh, who are supporting the stem cell. They are saying it is not immoral. Why are they saying it's not immoral? Because let me give you an example of the embryonic stem cells. They say the embryo. I'm still. I'm sure you still remember what we discussed last time. The zygote. Z- z- Zygote develops into morula, morula into blastocyst, blastocyst into an embryo and so on. So let me say the embryo is, has got eight cells, an embryo that is saving eight cells. They say because we extract only one cell from these eight cells, for argument's sake, and you realize that the remaining I mean, the, the embryo or the other cells that are remaining, obviously they are not going to in similar terms, the embryo is not going to be destroyed they said no this is not immoral because we are not destroying the whole embryo we are just taking only one cell from the embryo and then that's why we say it is not immoral and then we take one cell from the embryo without destroying the embryo that's why they said no it is not immoral so this is all about the stem cells but the second point is about cloning and then with regard to cloning Maybe let me give you a background just a minute about something so that you may start to explain cloning. You need to understand what is all about cloning. I'm just to remember that when we talked about the sperm cells and also X-cells, we said sperm cell has got only one set of chromosome, meaning that it is haploid or consists of one N. Then the X-cell is haploid also, consists of one N meaning that it's got only one set. We've got 23 chromosomes, 23 chromosomes. When added together or when fission takes place, we end up having the zygote, which is diploid. Then the other point that you need to know is that uh, we've got two types of cells, the the sex cells and also the, the body cells. So the sex cells meaning the gametes, like sperm cell and egg cell, we said it has got one N, that is 23 chromosomes. Why? Because uh, they are going to fuse, and when they fuse, we need to end up having the zygote that is having 46 chromosomes. But now, when we talk about the body cell, obviously the body cell, because it's no longer going to, it's not going to fuse with another cell, it has got 46 chromosomes. Now, what is going to happen now? As long as we have that in mind, now we can continue with cloning, because we are going to use that, Information here with cloning normally they use an unfertilized excel and immediately say an unfertilized excel is used you get a mark for that and then that excel obviously it's going to have the haploid nucleus you also get a mark for that because it's very vital for you to make it happen that you mention that the, the the excel that is not fertilized is a haploid uh, you also get a mark for that then what is going to happen is that that nucleus, which is haploid, I'm talking about. I'm talking about the nucleus that is found inside that X cell. It's going to be destroyed. So in other words, that cell is going to be empty now. Now what they are going to do, they are going to cut a nucleus or a diploid nucleus. Diploid. Remember, I'm talking about dividing into two n. The diploid nucleus from the body cell, which is also regarded as the somatic cell. And then after that, the very same body cell or the very same nucleus is going to replace that uplate cell that has been destroyed now. Now, uh, the new cells is going to act like a zygote, even though no fission took place. Remember, I said that the cell is now empty. Why? Because we have destroyed that haploid uh, nucleus. Now, we take 2N or a body cell. Remember, body cells have got 2N. Now, that body cell is going to be inserted in the cell of that empty cell now. Now, ultimately, it's like we're going to have a cell with diploid, which is diploid, and then obviously it's like a zygote, although no fusion took place. Now, this cell acts like the zygote, even though no fusion took place. Then the zygote develops into a new organism. And then when you check that organism, you will realize that it has got all the carcasses, of the diploid organism that uh, where, where that particular cell has been taken from. Now, but sometimes you need to know the advantages of cloning and also the disadvantages of cloning. And then with regard to advantages of cloning, you s- sometimes you, you need to check this one. You must listen attentively so that you understand what's happening here. If examiner says, name three advantages of cloning, you may simply say, let me say examiner says three marks. You simply say better yield, you get a mark for that. Resistant to disease, you get a mark for that. Organisms are produced within a shorter period of time, you get a mark for that, and so on and so on. But now, if examiner says name or describe three advantages of cloning, then he says six marks. Now, what we are going to say is that you may say better yield, you get a mark for that. You must also give us the reason to increase the amount of food you also get a mark for that when you say resistant to diseases you get a mark for that to do what to save on the use of pesticides and also herbicides organism produced in a shorter time you get a mark for that to increase yield another mark saving endangered species a mark for that with the need for mating partners and then the other one producing body parts you get a mark for that reducing rejection or transplanted path. Then the other one, producing individuals with the desired traits to eliminate unwanted characteristics. Then offspring, I mean, it produces offspring for organisms that are infertile. You get a mark for producing offspring. Then the other mark for organisms that are not, uh, that are infertile. Uh, and so on and so on. This is how you are going to deal with this. But if they say disadvantages, you are also going to apply the same principle. Uh, you may say objection, you get a mark for that. Because it's interfering with God's creation, you also get a mark for that. It is costly, you get a mark for that. Then the reason is going to be not all people can afford it. The other one, reducing the gene pool, uh, the reason thereof being by reducing variation, uh, may lead to killing of clones, another mark to obtain spare body parts, and so on and so on. So in other words, what I want to bring forth with regard to this is that normally when examiner says name three and you check the marks and you realize that if it is three, you simply give or outline those disadvantages or advantages. But if it says three marks, but uh, uh, three uh, disadvantages or advantages, and you end up saying six marks. So you need to also explain. Now let me touch something based on, A pedigree and also dihybrid So, what is a pedigree? Pedigree diagram is used to study the inheritance of characteristics in a family. In some instances, or maybe normally it happens over many generations, and then in some some instances, or in some books they used to say this one is also regarded as the family tree. So I want to guide you with regard to how do we deal with the pedigree. It's very simple. Number one, let me say we have been given uh, that particular pedigree diagram. In most instances, obviously, because we are crossing parents here, let me say the first thing that we need to take into cognizance is to check the key for you to get into a particular room you need a key if maybe that room is locked. So you cannot approach the pedigree without taking the key. So normally the keys that are reflected there, they are going to give you the square. Normally square represents male, and then also the second. The second represents the female. Uh, sometimes you realize that they also give you two squares. You realize the other square is shaded, and also two circles. The other circle is shaded. Meaning that when you check these keys, number one, you need to check which one is the male, which one is the female. But in most instances, because in the past, when I was checking somewhere from a particular document, they said in future they may not even give you the keys to indicate that square represents the male. Immediately see square, you must just know that it represents the male. And when you see the circle, you must just know that it represents the female. But now, this one is very, very simple. With pedigree, immediately see pedigree, you must just know that you are going to get total. How do you get total? Number one, like I indicated, you study any key and the opening statement. You look for the dominant and also recessive characteristics of a phenotype. But now, the most important thing maybe I'm sure you still remember when you're busy with uh, genetics, the first part of genetics, the basics of genetics. You may write down the following so that at least you understand what I'm talking about. Just write tall, write the weight tall, and then in brackets, write capital letter T, capital letter T, and then also write tall again, the second tall, then write capital letter T, and small letter T. I'm sure you know that when we talk about capital letter T, capital letter T, that is homozygous tall, and then capital letter T and small letter T, that is heterozygous tall. But let us take short now. Short is going to be, small letter t small letter t and it's a must that it should be homozygous. We cannot say let us have heterozygous short because immediately say heterozygous short, you are going to write small letter T and capital letter T, which is going to be heterozygous tall now. So now when we check this three capital letter T, capital letter T, homozygous tall, capital letter T, small letter T, heterozygous tall. But when we talk about short or shortness obviously that is small letter T, small letter T. Then, obviously, because the recessive ones or the recessive alleles were or genes, we know that obviously. Uh, it may be you are going to check us whether maybe the, they're talking about let me say that we're talking about one well and short. And they say short is shaded when you check these diagrams, you realize that the part that has been shaded, the square that unshaded, shaded, or the circle that isn't shaded. They say it's short. You know that you are supposed to fill the whole pedigree diagram. As long as you see a a diagram that has been shaded, you write small letter T, 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 up until. Now, let me say you are having A and B. Just draw a square. On the left-hand side, just write, draw a square and write A. And then draw a line. I'm sure you know what is happening about pedigree. Draw a line uh moving towards the right hand side and then draw a circle then that circle shade it and then the first square just write A then that circle write B you are going to draw another line that is going to emanate from at the center of these two uh, diagrams that is the square and the second is going to move downwards now let me say we are going to have four keys or four offspring the first one you are going to label D And you also shade it immediately. The other one you are going to uh, label E. The other one you label it F. The other one far right, you are going to draw another square. Then you also shade it. Then the very same, the first one, just write D. You are going to skip C. Just write D. I'm talking about the first circle that has been shaded. Then the second one, which is not shaded, just write E. The other one that is not shaded also, just write F. But the fourth one, which is a square, which is shaded, you write G. Now, when you check this D, you draw a line moving to the left-hand side. You draw a square, then you write C. And then that square is not supposed to be shaded. You also draw a line moving downwards between C and D. Draw a line between C and D which is going to move downwards, us then we end up having I, J and K meaning that we are going to have three keys there that I just draw a, a circle and also shade it J draw a square which is not shaded and then K draw a circle which is not shaded on the other side now remember you have G which is a square that is shaded then that square remember that g i'm talking about the offspring one of the offspring uh, where the parents are labeled a and b so you draw a line moving t- towards the right hand side now then you draw a second don't shade that second then from there you're going to draw a line moving downwards that is between g and h meaning that we're going to have three offspring the first offspring just draw a circle, which is not shaded you write l then the second offspring write M, it should be the circle that is shaded, and then the last one, draw a square, you write N. Now, when what we are going to do here, you check, obviously, it's very simple and straightforward now. Like I indicated, i are going to start by labeling almost all the offspring. If they are requesting you to write the genotype, you, li- you label each and every part that you realize that it is shaded because we said we're 100% sure about the recessive you're going to write small letter to small letter T. So as long as the part is shaded, you write small letter to small letter t. But with regard to the one that are not shaded, obviously because it's tall, it's either so it's homozygous like tall or it's homozygous like tall. Then how do you get the correct answer now? You look at the offspring. So if you look at this offspring, that's D, E, F, and G. You will realize that G is shaded, G is also shaded, but E and F are not shaded. meaning that E and F, uh, they display the tall... A characteristic so now the fact that two are tall and then two are small or short obviously because from the diagram, the first diagram where we've got a and b b already stated and small letter t small letter t obviously that a is letter t and small letter t is said like as, as simple as that so in other words you look at the offspring then you work backward always you look at the offspring and you work backward with Diabric Crossing, uh, the only thing that I'm just going to explain it up until to the last point where I, I I will realize that no, we, we have pushed. So that next time when we start with evolution, the first five minutes I'm going to continue with Diabric Crossing before we we, we we start with the whole part of human evolution. Not human evolution, evolution under natural selection. So now, Number one, diabric crossing, in 2, that is the crossing that involves two characteristics. Here, normally examiner is going to request you to give the uh, alleles or the genes, I mean the genotypes, or sometimes they are going to be requested to write the gametes. So I'm going to show you how to write the gametes. Let me say that we are talking about a round and yellow seed crossed with a round and yellow seat maybe again. round is shape, but the yellow is color. And another round is shape, then yellow is color. So examine us first. Or let me also talk about round and yellow, and also wrinkled and green. So you are just going to have this in your mind so that next time when we start to explain almost everything, you need to know that the only thing that we are supposed to know for now is that when they talk about round and yellow, the other one wrinkled and green, Examiner is forced to tell you that round and wrinkled, obviously because the shapes. The other one should be dominant. The other one should be recessive. And the yellow and the green is another characteristics. Obviously, it's going to show you that it's either maybe yellow is dominant, and then green is recessive. So, for today, like I indicated, when we meet next time, we are going to start with. Uh, I'm just going to uh, donate almost five minutes to sum up something about diabetic crossing, then we'll be discussing uh, human, not human evolution, evolution under natural selection. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: This Grade 12 lesson was proudly brought to you by the Department of Education in partnership with Capricorn FM. Working together, we can do more providing quality education.
1: That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za